Well, hi, everybody. I want to thank you for joining us today for our online service, wherever you're at. Again, I want to remind you, if you get a chance sometime during the service or right afterwards, to uh, let us know in the chat box uh, where you're watching from. It always uh, gives us a a, a kick to find out that uh, you're out there, wherever you're at. Well, um, the moment COVID-19 began to spread around the world, uh, people started coming up with all these theories on where uh, it originated or how it came into existence. Uh, for example, um, some said that the coronavirus originated in Wuhan, China, in a laboratory there, and that it escaped out of that lab. Uh, second theory, some folks said that uh, it was created by Chinese scientists who wanted to use it as a biowarfare weapon. A third conspiracy theory is that the U.S. military brought it to Wuhan, China last October during the 2019 Military World Games. Others said that COVID-19 was a sinister concoction of Bill Gates who wants to vaccinate the entire world. Another conspiracy theory is that the coronavirus is triggered by high-speed 5G networks. Therefore, the virus is the brainchild of those who are behind 5G technology, and they uh, want to use it, conspire to use it to depopulate the earth. And I think the wildest uh, theory of all is that the coronavirus doesn't exist, that what we're seeing today is a total fake. Uh, There is no such thing as COVID-19. Well, I want you to know today, I have my own conspiracy theory, if you want to call it that, about the war, where the coronavirus came from. And I don't believe it's just a theory. I believe it's true. So stick around. Now, if you're joining us for the first time today, uh, we've been studying the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. So grab a Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 6. You can also up, open up our South Bay Community Church app. If you don't have it, Get it right now from the Play Store, or the yeah, the Play Store, the Google Store, whatever it is, and you'll and and in the app you'll find an outline for the message, including all the verses that we're going to be looking at today. We've got a number of verses we're going to look through. So uh, today, as we come uh, to Matthew 16, uh, 6, six thirteen, uh, this is officially the last verse in the Lord's Prayer. But we're going to actually wrap up the series next week and not today. So next week, we'll wrap it up. Let me start by reading the entire uh, prayer, and then uh, we'll pray, and then I'll unpack it for you. All right? So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9, Jesus said, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So let's pray. Well, Father, thank you so much uh, for church. And even though we still can't gather together, uh, it is so good to still be able to come together by means of technology and Father, to, to think that we're gathering now with people all over the country, even from people, with people who are around the world, uh, to worship together, 
and to pray together and study your word together. And Father, I thank you so much for this special prayer that you have taught us, that we've been studying a great template for how we ought to pray and for what we ought to pray for. And Father, as we come really to the last verse in this prayer, I pray that your words, God, I pray that your words today would stir in our hearts and that your words would teach us and your words would convict us and your words would help us to understand you a little bit more. So Father, I ask that you would speak to us today. God, that's my heart's cry. Speak to us today. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a few days ago, I gathered uh, the folks in our office, uh, whatever staff was there, uh, and I wanted to show them a magic trick. So let me show you how that magic trick went down. Take a look at this. All right, so here we are in the office. I I gathered some of our staff together, and uh, I want to do a little magic trick. I have uh, a dish towel, basically, dish towel. Anyone want to inspect it? No, anyone want to expect it? Okay, and then just have a, have a simple little sponge, okay? Anyone want to, oh, I'll let you feel it. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put it under my um, hand like this, all right? There it is. And I'm going to make it disappear, all right? So anyone want to make sure the sponge is still there? You want to just yeah. put your hand under there and just... Still there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you want to check it out, James? Yeah, okay. Uh, anyone want to check it out? I want to see, okay. Yeah? <laughs> Good. So where did the sponge go? Where did it go? Well, I wish I could tell you, but I can't because that's a magician's secret. Now, have you noticed that there are things uh, often in life that just kind of make you scratch your head? Like, how did that happen? Or where did that go? Well, that's also true of the verse that we're looking at today. Verse 13 is a head scratcher. I mean, it really is a head scratcher. Let me show you what I mean. The first thing you can't help but notice as you read verse 13 is that it is divided into two parts. It comes in two parts. And lead us not into temptation. That's the first part. And then the second part is and deliver us from evil. All right, so it's divided up into two parts. Now, in the first half of the verse, that first part, I want you to circle the word temptation. Circle the word temptation. This is the Greek word perasmos, which is spelled like this. And um, just if you're joining us for the first time, I just want to tell you that the New Testament, the reason why I'm referring to the Greek is because the New Testament was written in Greek. 
And we often look at the Greek because it helps us to nail down the true meaning of some of these words that we don't often get in English. All right, so in this particular verse, the word temptation is the Greek word perasmos, and in the Greek dictionary, it means perasmos means to be tempted or to be enticed to sin. To entice to sin. It is derived from the word which means to test. So it's derived, that's kind of the root. It's a test. Now the first reason why this first part of the verse, and lead us not into temptation, has caused so much consternation and head scratching is because Jesus said, lead us not into temptation. Jesus said to pray for something that we know that God does not do. Did you ever think about that? Jesus is actually saying here that we should pray for something that God does not do. God does not lead his people into temptation that they might sin. Take a look at James 1, verse 13. It says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. All right, so there it's very clear. God does not tempt He does not tempt. Therefore, why would Jesus ask us to pray for something that God does not do? So it's a head scratcher. Years ago, there was a pastor named Harry Emerson Fosdick. He had a nationwide radio show, uh, pretty popular. A lot of people listened to it. And every year, he'd get about 100,000 letters from his listeners. He said that there was no verse in the Bible more that elicited more questions Uh, Then this first part of Matthew 6.13, he said, it's a head scratcher. So everyone, wherever you're at, wherever you're watching from, scratch your heads, right? Scratch your head. This is a head scratcher. So what does this phrase mean exactly? What does it mean exactly? Well, actually, it's not that difficult to understand. The answer has to do with who does the tempting, and that's the devil. It's the devil. Now, remember who tempted Eve In the Garden of Eden, it was the serpent. In case you're wondering, the serpent wasn't a snake. It was a snake, but the serpent was a manifestation of the devil, according to John in Revelation 12, verse 9. I'm going to put it up here for you. I'm not going to read it. But there it is right there. The serpent was the devil, and the devil tempted Eve. Um, And do you remember what happened when Jesus, just before he launched his ministry, he was tempted by the devil. Matthew 4.1 says, And then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So write this one down. The devil instigates temptation. He is the author of temptation. He is a tempter. God never tempts his people. God does not do that, but the devil does. In fact, the fact that the devil is tempts us is even a part of his name. First Thessalonians 3, 5 says, And for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter, that's the devil, had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. So it's even in his name. The devil is called the tempter. Now, on a side note, I want you to know that not all temptation uh, is instigated by Satan. It certainly, he certainly tempts But not all temptation is instigated by Satan. Sometimes temptation comes from the things that we desire. It comes from our own flesh. James put it this way in James 1.14. He said, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. All right, so it comes from our desires. Now, there's nothing wrong with temptation. 
uh, we're all tempted, and that's part of the human experience. The problem with temptation is when we give into it. That's the problem. The next verse in James 1, verse 15 says, Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. See, here's the problem. This is the problem right here. Surrendering to temptation gives birth to sin. And sin brings forth death, which is eternal separation from God. And that is disastrous for every human being. And that's why Jesus said to pray and lead us not into temptation. Now, let's look at the second half of, the, of verse 13. But deliver us from evil. And I want to spend the rest of our time on this phrase here. And deliver us, or but deliver us from evil. All right, so got a pen, circle the word deliver in your Bible. Circle the word evil. And we'll look at these uh, one at a time. First of all, the Greek word for deliver is ruomai. And it looks like this, ruomai. Um, ruomai, uh, the root of ruomai is the word ruo, which means to drag on the ground. It means to drag on the ground. And the idea behind this word is to rescue someone who is in danger. And the word uh, can be used to describe uh, dragging a wounded soldier across the battlefield to his safety. I mean, this is Rulmai right here. This is Rulmai. Rulmai is an aorist imperative verb, which means it is a plea for immediate and effective action. In other words, no messing around here. The word literally screams, drag me out of here now. Get me out of here now. Deliver me now. Deliver from what? Well, it tells us deliver from evil. You know what evil is, so I'm not going to spend any time on that, but Here's what's really interesting. Stay with me because this is so good. First of all, the word evil here in this verse is an adjective. It is not a noun. It is not a person, place, or thing. It is an adjective. Second, when you look at the entire verse in Greek, uh, verse 13, you'll find that the word evil is preceded by the definite article the. It's, in the Greek, it's the evil. And it would, it would be these two words right here, tau poneron, po, pau, tau poneron, the evil. Now, if you were to translate it literally in English, it would be, but deliver us from the evil. That's not our translation. We have, but deliver us from evil. But the literal translation of the Greek is, but deliver us from the evil. Now, turn to, uh, in your Bibles to John chapter 17. And this is so good, John chapter 17. What we have in John 17 is the transcript of a prayer that Jesus prayed to his Father in heaven, right? In John 17, Jesus prays. I mean, this rightly should be called the Lord's Prayer. I mean, more so than the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. But um, in John 17, Jesus prays to his Father on our behalf. In other words, he prays for us. He prays for us. Let me show you just two verses of his prayer. John 17, verse 14. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. All right? In verse, the end of verse 15, circle evil one. Circle evil one. Jesus asked his father to keep us from the evil one. The devil, keep us from the evil one. Now, get this. The Greek words for evil one in verse 15, right here, 
are the two same Greek words that we find in Matthew 6, 13, tau poneron. And thus, tau poneron is translated evil one, evil one. Here's the point. Based on John 17, 15, we can make the case that when Jesus said to pray, deliver us from evil, what he was really saying was pray, deliver us from the evil one. In other words, pray for deliverance from the devil. Pray for deliverance from the devil. And that makes perfect sense that we should pray for deliverance from Satan because of who he is and because of what he does in the world. Let me give you one verse that I think captures the breadth and the depth of Satan's influence in the world. Take a look at 1 John 5, 19. It says, we know that we are from God, we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. There's evil one again, Tau Poneron, right? The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. I want you to underline that last phrase. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. To lie in the power of the evil one literally means to be held in subjection to the devil, to be held in subjection to the devil. And the Apostle John said here, the whole world, the whole world is in the subjection to, is in subjection to the devil. The whole world is in the grip of Satan, in other words. If there was ever a verse that hints at what's going on in the world today, this is it. This describes it to a T. The whole world is in the grip of the evil one. Write this one down. The devil has enslaved the world. The devil has enslaved the world. And here's why that is so true. I'm going to give you a whole bunch of verses here, all right? First, Satan is wicked. He is wicked. He is the embodiment of darkness. He is the personification of evil through and through. We can write that one down. The devil is the personification personification of evil. 1 John 3, 8, John wrote, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning, All right? And the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil, all right? So this tells us the devil has been sinning from the beginning. He's been sinning from the beginning. He is evil through and through. The second part of this verse tells us uh, the reason Jesus came to earth, and that was to destroy the works of the devil. In other words, it tells us that the devil is doomed. He is on his way out. And I want you to hold on to this thought, and we'll come back to it in just a moment. All right? Second thing, the devil is a murderer. First, the devil is the personification of evil. Second, the devil is a murderer. The devil hates people. He hates you. He can't stand you. And do you know why the devil hates people? Do you know why he, he despises people? It's because God loves people. God loves people. Therefore, the devil hates people. You see, the devil hates anything and everything that God loves. God loves people of every color. Satan hates people of every color. God loves Israel and the Jews. Satan hates Israel and the Jews. God loves the church. The devil hates the church. 
God loves his son, Jesus. The devil hates his son, Jesus. You see, the devil hates anything and everything that God loves. John 8, says, And you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. And get this, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. You see, he is a murderer. And then it says here at the end of verse 44, And when he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. See, the third thing we see in this verse is that the devil is a liar. He is a liar. In fact, he is the father of lies, and he speaks, whenever he speaks, he speaks out of his character. The devil has no character. Well, I take that back. He actually has character. His character is corrupt. His character is immoral. His character is unethical. His character is crooked. His character is twisted. His character is sinister. His character is fraudulent, it is perverted, his character is hateful. That's his character. And whenever the devil speaks, he speaks out of his character. Fourth, just for a little while longer, just for a little while longer, Satan is the god of this world and the ruler of this world. Take a look at, you can write that one down, but take a look at 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. It says, in their case, the god of this world, notice little case G, uh, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. That's a reference to the devil. The devil is the God of this world. And in John 16, 11, it says concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. The ruler of this world, again, this refers to the devil. For at least a little while longer, the devil is the God and ruler of the world. Fifth, the devil is a deceiver. He is a deceiver. Revelation 12, verse 9 says, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So, so the devil deceives the entire world. He deceives the entire world. And in order to deceive the world, he has a lot of help. He has a lot of help. Not only is he aided by millions, perhaps billions of demons, he also uses godless people to do his bidding. John 10.10, 10, very well-known verse. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Circle the word thief there. In this verse, the, the word thief is not a direct reference to Satan himself, but it refers to false shepherds or godless shepherds or false teachers. And they do his bidding. They do the work of their father, the devil. And what do they do? It tells us right here. They, they steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what the devil does. The devil steals, he kills, and destroys. All right? He is a deceiver. Sixth, sixth, the devil loves death. He loves death. Write that one down. In Hebrews 2.14, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death... He might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. All right, so this is very clear. The devil holds the power of death. And it, it really is kind of a frightening thought. The devil holds the power of death. And uh, he loves death. And I believe that the devil is responsible for the deaths of millions of people every single year around the world. But... Also, in saying that, I also want to say that not every death can be attributed 
to the devil. Many people die from natural causes, from old age, from disease and illness. That's a result of living in a, a broken world, a fallen world. But there are many deaths that can be laid right at the feet of the devil. You might remember that in the Old Testament, Satan attacked Job's health. He afflicted him with sores from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And uh, it's not inconceivable, therefore, for Satan to attack the human body with sickness and disease as one way to kill them, uh, one way to uh, destroy them. And it's not out of the question. Uh, it's not, we don't know this for sure, but it's not out of the question that the devil uh, may be behind the coronavirus in some way, shape, or form. Now, we don't know that for sure, but it's possible that his fingerprints are all over this. All right, so seventh, seventh, the devil is on a tear. All right, the devil is on a tear. He's on a rampage. The devil uh, knows that Jesus came to destroy his works. We read that just a little bit earlier. He knows he's on his way out. And he knows that Jesus came to break the stranglehold of death, which we just read. But it hasn't been broken yet. It hasn't been broken yet. And the devil is still out there somewhere, and he is mad. He is mad. Revelation 12, 12 says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. All right, so the devil is furious. He is furious because he knows his time is short. Therefore, he is on a tear. He is on a rampage. He is going crazy. He's going ballistic because he knows his time is short. Now, there's one other thing I want you to know about the evil one, and that is this. If you blend all of these verses that we just looked at, if we blend them all together, what it paints for us is a portrait of someone who is a conspirator. He is a conspirator. I call him the ultimate conspirator with the ultimate conspiracy. You know, since the beginning of creation, the devil has opposed God and uh, he has conspired with the godless to destroy the works of God and the people of God. And that's the way it's always been since the beginning of creation. And I believe that what we're seeing today uh, is the intensification of, of the devil's work, the intensification of his efforts. And it seems to me that just in the last three months, uh, it just seems to me that our world has gotten darker and our world has gotten colder. Our world has gotten more fearful. The hate of, uh, for our fellow man is not lessened uh, since George, George Floyd. It is, it is gathered steam. Uh, you probably heard about the racist rant by a female against an Asian man and an Asian woman that took place this week at Wilson Park, right here in Torrance. It is mind-boggling to think that on the heels of what happened to George Floyd and all the talk of racial reconciliation, that people can still have such hate in their hearts. Recently, I heard that a young lady who attends our church with her family She's a high school student, was bullied by some of her schoolmates on social media simply because her father is a police officer. You see, there is so much hate, even in the hearts of young people. And I know this young lady, and I know her dad. He is a great man. He is a good and caring police officer. And I just want to say that he 
and all of the other good law enforcement officers who are out there trying to protect us need our support and our prayers, just as much as our African-American brothers and sisters need our support and our prayers. So what we're seeing today, I believe, is a conspiracy that is ramping up, a conspiracy by the devil to wreak havoc on the earth through fear, through uh, lawlessness, through division, through hate, by getting us, by pitting us one against the other through death, and we're seeing a lot of that lately. And, uh, and in so doing, let me just add this, I'm going to throw this out there, and in so doing, I believe the devil is setting the table for the rise to power of the Antichrist. I believe that's what's happening. It's, he's setting the table for the rise to power of the Antichrist, and I don't have time to get into that today. It's a message for another time. Uh, but you can see why Jesus would then say that we should pray to God and ask him to deliver us from evil. And I think there's a sense of urgency now uh, with regards to that prayer, that we need to pray for that. So how can we be delivered from evil? How are we to be delivered from evil? I have one don't and seven do's. So write these one down. Number one, don't despair. Don't despair. Don't forget who's really in charge of things, and that's Almighty God. The devil may be the God and the ruler of this world, but God is the ruler of the universe. He is the ruler and the creator of the universe, and the devil is hamstrung by God every step of the way. Every step of the way. The devil can't do anything without God's, uh, without God allowing it. I mean, he can't make a move without God allowing it first and I've read the entire Bible, and I know how the story ends, and the story ends this way. God wins, Jesus wins, and we win as well. So don't despair with all the evil in the world today. Don't despair. Second, with regards to evil, expect it, all right? Do expect it. You can write that one down. Do expect it. Now, I hate to break this to you. But I don't believe things are going to get better. I don't believe things are going to get better. Um, I sincerely hope that race relations uh, will improve in our country. But honestly, I don't expect it to. Now, I'm not trying to be a pessimist. I'm being a realist. I, I believe the opposite is going to happen simply because of what the scriptures say. 2 Timothy 3, starting in verse 1, Paul wrote, But I understand this, that in the last days... Right, that in the last days there will be there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, on social media, without self control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous. Reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's why I don't believe that things are going to get better. I think that Scripture tells us that things are going to get, get worse. And the closer we get to the end, to the return of Christ, the worse things are going to get. So we need to expect evil. We need to expect evil, but don't despair. All right? Third, we need to endure. Do endure evil. Endure it. Second Timothy 2 verse 24 through 26 says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. 
Right there it is. Would you underline that? Patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. All right? So if you've underlined patiently enduring evil, uh, part of patiently enduring evil is not being quarrelsome. No, don't be quarrelsome. Don't get into a tit and tat, tit for tat argument on your social media page. Uh, I noticed today that if someone makes even the slightest comment or offers the slightest opinion about everything, uh, somebody else jumps in and pretty soon it full, becomes a full-blown attack. And I know that um, many of you have very strong opinions on what's going on today, and that's totally fine. But sometimes, in order not to be quarrelsome, in order to be uh, patiently enduring evil, sometimes it's better not to say anything and to keep your opinions to yourself. You know, when the video of the woman at Wilson Park uh, went viral this week, a lot of folks, uh, Asian Americans in particular, understandably so, went crazy on social media. Can you imagine what it must be like to be African American and to watch someone who shares your skin color, uh, watch them unjustly killed right before your eyes? And not just once, but over and over and over again, right? So how are we to react to evil? We ought to patiently endure it. We patiently endure it by not being quarrelsome. And according to verse 24, by being kind. We need to be kind. And I get it. I get it. It's hard. It's really hard. So much easier to lash out, right? So much easier to let them have it. But we're to do the opposite. Fourth, we're to hate evil, right? Do hate evil. Do hate evil. Romans 12, 9. The only thing that we're able to hate, or we, we should hate according to scriptures, right? should hate divorce, but we should hate evil. Romans 12, 9 says, let love, Paul said, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Abhor what is evil. We underline that. Hold fast to what is good. The Greek word for abhor means to be horrified. Right? We are to be horrified over evil. We are to be horrified over it. No matter what kind of evil it is. Right? And so often today, it's so sad, but I think it's our culture. We celebrate evil. We celebrate all the terrible things that are happening in the world today. I mean, does evil horrify you? Regardless of what kind of evil it is, does it horrify you? Does abortion horrify you? Does sex trafficking horrify you? Does racism, regardless of who it's directed at, horrify you? We are to horri be horrified by evil. It ought to break our hearts that, that people are evil and that they're so far away from God. Fifth, we are to expose evil. We are to expose evil. Do expose evil. Ephesians 5.11 says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. The Bible calls us, says that we are to call out evil. And that, that was why we felt it was so important to speak out against racism and injustice and the murder of George Floyd. Because the Bible calls us calls us to uh, call out evil, right? Again, not only against racism and hate, but against bullying, against name-calling, name-calling, against, again, the other things I mentioned, um, abortion, sex trafficking, stealing, 
lying, sexual immorality. I mean, you can go on and on. We are to, we are to expose sin. Sixth, we are to overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 12 uh, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This week, I gave serious thought after what happened at Wilson Park. I gave serious thought to how I would react if that woman came up to me. If I met evil face-to-face, how would I react? And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a matter. This is a matter. You think about it. This is a matter that our African-American brothers and sisters have to contend with every day. What will they do? How will they react? And it is... It is if you saw our uh, presentation on race, and I hope that you'll watch it, um, it is something that they have to deal with, and it is something they struggle with as, as Christ followers, right? Because our natural tendency is to want to strike back and to get even. And so I was thinking about it this week. I thought about, about it because I go to Wilson Park frequently, and I'm Asian American. And I was wondering, I was thinking about it, what would I do? What would I do if I ran into this lady, and she started dropping the F-bombs and told me to go back to my country, which is the United States of America. What, what would I do? What would you do if somebody came and started saying slanderous things to you? Well, my first thought is that I would probably, since she's pushing my buttons, I would, I would react and I, I would probably give her a few choice, let her have a few choice words. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll just rebuke her in Jesus' name. I'll put up my finger like a cross and I'll rebuke you in Jesus' name as if she needed to be exercised, which, which wouldn't be very nice, I suppose. And, and that's what we usually do, right? That's kind of how we want to act. Um, what we usually do in the face of evil is, is different from what God tells us to do right here. He wants us to overcome evil with good. So I thought, well, maybe I'll just have to take a batch of cookies, keep it in my car. When I go to the park, I'll take it to the park, and if I see her, I'll give her some cookies. Or maybe I'll go up to her and I'll just say, hey, can I pray for you? And I'll just start praying for her, even though she might react um, kind of a little crazy. I, I'm not sure how I'm going to do this, but I, I want to think about it now before it happens. And, I, and uh, now that you know, now that I know how I'm supposed to react, well, then I need to react accordingly. And now you know how you're supposed to react according to Scripture. In closing, let me, let me take you back to 1 John 5.19 for one last time. All right, take a look at it again. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The entire planet is in the grip of Satan today. And you know what God did about that? You know what God did about that? Galatians 1 tells us, Galatians 1, 3 through 5. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our Father, of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age age. You see, the whole world is in the grip of Satan, and Jesus died on the cross for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age. He came, he died to set us free from the power of the devil. You see, 
the best thing that you can do to be delivered from the evil one is to give your heart to Jesus. The last point, do Jesus. Do believe in Jesus. And to believe means to believe in who he was and to believe in everything he did for you. He was the son of God. He came to planet Earth. He lived a sinless life. He was the son of God and he died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And then three days later, he was raised from the dead. Believe in that. Church, the world is on a collision course with judgment. Judgment day is coming. It is coming. God will not allow evil to go unpunished. One of these days, and I believe it's coming fast, every one of us, every one of us us living on this earth will face, will have to face our maker. And the only ones who will escape the wrath of God for all of this ungodliness and for all of this evil that we are seeing in the world today, the only ones who will escape it are those who put their faith and trust in Christ. And in a sense, here's a good thing. In a sense, God has already answered that prayer and deliver us from evil. He's already answered that prayer by giving us Jesus. And if you have Jesus, he has answered the prayer. And now we just have to practically live it out as we go about this world in which there's still so much evil. But if you want to be delivered from evil, all you need to do is follow Jesus. And I don't mean, as I said, I don't mean just say a prayer and you're in. I'm talking about full-blown devotion to Jesus Christ. Follow him with everything you have, with everything you've got, with your whole heart. Follow him until he takes you to be with him. And if you do, if you do, Jesus will deliver you from evil, from the evil one, by forgiving you of your sins and by making you a child of God. And then one day, one day when he returns to take us home, you will be completely delivered. You will be completely delivered and you will have eternal hope in him. You'll be in heaven with him. And so, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. No question. That's a prayer worth praying. Well, let's close our time in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your word. And it is so clear and it helps to clarify all the crazy things that are going on in the world today. And there's no doubt as we look around us, and these are very dark times, it's just very clear to us that the world is literally crumbling before our eyes and it has gotten darker even in the last few months and colder. And Father, it is heartbreaking. It is so apparent that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And Father, we thank you so much for your word and we thank you so much for Jesus that you have, for all those of us who have put our faith and trust in you, you have delivered us from the evil one and you have delivered us from this evil age. And you've made us your children. You have made us light. You have made us your sons and daughters in Christ. And for that, God, we are so grateful. We are so thankful. But Lord, you have still not taken us out of the world. We are still in the world. And so, Father, while we were here, 
we pray that you would keep us from the evil one, meaning, God, help us to keep following you. Keep us from temptation. Keep us from drawing our hearts away from you. But instead, in everything, let us draw closer to you. And Father, we come before you and we confess that there are times when there is evil in our own hearts. And when evil comes against us, when hate and prejudice comes against us, we want to react in our flesh because we, and we want to stand up for our rights and we want to strike back. And Father, your word is clear. Your word is clear that your children are to live differently, that we are to live differently. And Father, so we ask you for your help. We ask you for your power that in the midst of darkness, that in the midst of coldness, that you would help us to walk in the truth and walk in the light and give us the courage and the faith to stand strong, to resist evil, to overcome evil with good, to show kindness, God, to be strong in the face of it all. And Father, even in spite of the evil, God, use our church that we might shed a light upon this world. That even if things continue to get worse, we might shine a a spotlight on you and that you would use our church and the people in our church to bring hope to others. Jesus, you gave your life that we might be delivered from this evil age. God, help us to proclaim Christ that more and more we'll experience that deliverance from evil. So thank you, Father. And Lord, if there's anyone out there, if there's anyone out there yet listening who has yet to give their heart to you, help them to do so now so that they too might be set free. Thank you, Father, for your love. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And let me just want to remind you that uh, if you are listening wherever you're at, and you have yet to experience the forgiveness and the grace of God, you can do so right now. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. Tell him right now that you believe in him. Just say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are the son of God. You died on a cross for my sins. You you died to save me from this evil age. I give you my life. Tell him that now, and he will save you, and you will be his child.